This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 11th Annual Season! The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is the seasonal series of radio drama recreations in which producers and actors from the modern age of audio drama recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is open to all producers and creators of modern audio drama to bring to a contemporary audience these classic plays. And now, over to the host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse this season, waiting in his seat in the balcony, Mr. David Alt. Hello and thank you, Jack Ward, for introducing the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse for another performance in its 11th season. Today, long-time performers, the Narada Radio Company, headed and helmed by Mr. Pete Lutz, bring an exciting feature from the series Nightbeat, along with the members of the Amigos Collective. Nightbeat was a 1950s detective series that starred Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone, the tough, streetwise reporter of Chicago Star. This episode is considered to be one of the best scripts with... Oh, um... <clears throat> well, with the curtain lifting, we turn to the stage and Narada Radio's Nightbeat and the death of Riley for Sonic Summerstock. 63 Audio presents, transcribed, the Narada Radio Company in... Nightbeat. This is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Sometimes the stories of the night have their beginnings on the day side. This one did. It was less than a dozen hastily written words on a piece of paper when I first saw it. My city editor Farley's words. All black and white in the light of day. It took the night to add the color and the shadings to give them perspective and make them come alive. It wasn't quite five o'clock in the afternoon, but the lights on Michigan Avenue were on and I was going to work with Farley's words folded in an inside pocket. Specifically, I was on my way to meet a man named Riley Johnson. More specifically, Mr. Johnson owned a small plastics manufacturing plant on the south side. Most specifically, Mr. Johnson was giving the plant to his employees. I haven't met a real-life humanitarian in weeks. This I had to see. Yes, can I help you? I'm Randy Stone, Chicago Star. I'd like to see Mr. Johnson. Well, he's busy at the moment, Mr. Stone. Can I wait? Yes, if you like. Have a chair. Thank you. 
<laughs> News travels fast, doesn't it? That's what everybody says. How does it feel to be an owner? Uh, I wouldn't want to be quoted, Mr. Stone. I really have no opinion at all. A guy hands over a business to you and you have no opinion? That's almost a story in itself. I think it's up to Mr. Johnson to make statements to the press. Ah, you see? You do have an opinion. Hey, Edie. Can I see Johnson? I'm afraid it'll be a while. This gentleman's waiting. Uh, this is Mr. Stone. Mr. Guthrie? How are you? How do you do? Mr. Guthrie's our plant foreman. Mr. Stone's a news reporter, Jim. Oh, you're Randy Stone. That's right. <clears throat> I'll see if Mr. Johnson can see you now. Thank you. Yeah, I read your column every once in a while, Stone. I like it. Well, so do I, every once in a while. What are you going to write about Johnson? I don't know yet. Got any suggestions? Plenty, <laughs> but you couldn't print any of them. Do you know him? No, no. Man gives plant to employees is like man bites dog. That's news. Stick around. He may bite a dog, too. <laughs> I don't trust him. I don't figure his angle yet, but I'll bet he's got one, and, and I'll bet it's a Lulu. Well, good luck, Stone. Thank you. Mr. Johnson will see you now, Mr. Stone. Fine. I'm Randy Stone, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sit down. Close the door, too. Not that she'll miss anything. He didn't look up when I came in. Riley Johnson was drunk from years of drinking. His florid face was all puffed, the pink flesh stretched tightly across it, and the gaze he finally directed at me was fluid and colorless. <laughs> hey, let's get each other pegged right from the start, Stone, huh? If you expected a wide-eyed visionary, you could have saved yourself a trip. Well, it's too late to save the trip. I understand you're giving your plant to your employees. I already have. Everything's signed over, and get this. I'm no philanthropist. So don't be writing any fine motives into it. Well, I haven't written anything into it yet. Just cut all the humanitarian stuff out of it and get the facts straight. I'm just giving them one big headache back for the million little ones they've given me. Let them try to run it. All the little people working together for the common good. <laughs> They'll murder each other. Hey, you could have sold the plant and saved all those lives. <laughs> I'd have sold it if I could have kept enough money to matter. They let them kill themselves. One of their uh, inalienable rights. <sighs> Empty. Ah, there goes a nice gal. Well, that's it. That's your story. Take it or leave it. Uh, I bet you've got some cozy plans for your retirement. Yeah, I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> Are you going back uptown? Yeah. I'll hook a ride. Now, I can't drive a car. I'm a menace. Ask anybody. <laughs> I'll take your word for it.
He hooked the ride as far as a walk down a flight and save saloon. Before the night was over, I tried to write the story about Riley Johnson. No humanitarian stuff, just facts. And, leaving out the undertones, the things Guthrie said, the things Edie didn't say, it became a simple one-line story. Riley Johnson, Southside Plastics Manufacturer, gave his plant to his employees yesterday. I went to bed at dawn, still wondering who was giving who the business. What was it? <laughs> yeah? I'm afraid I've awakened you, Mr. Stone. Yeah, I'm afraid you have. Who's this? I'm... I'm Edie. At the plastics plant, remember? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I hate to bother you with this, but have you seen Mr. Johnson recently? Well, recently I've been asleep. The last time I saw him, he was doing a half-gainer into a basement bar and grill, but that was twelve hours or so ago. Oh, you must mean the foxhole. Might have been a foxhole, I don't know. Um, on, uh, South Shore Drive? <sighs> yeah, that's the one. I've called there. Well, that is, I kept calling until it closed around three. Tincher, he's the bartender. He said he left there in the middle of last evening. Maybe Tincher knows. I don't. Mr. Johnson's a sick man, Mr. Stone. His drinking is an illness with him, and I'm very worried about him. Yeah? Well, maybe he's worth worrying about, but I'm... I'd be apt to think he was, Mr. Stone. He's... He's my husband. Oh. Oh, I, uh... I didn't know. I don't think Riley knows any more, either. He didn't come home last night, then? He hasn't been home in years. But, look, that's not important right now. I... I have to locate him. That's all. Guthrie says the employees... Well, that is, the people here at the plant are planning some sort of farewell party or something here today, and... Well, he ought to be here. Yeah? Well, the chances aren't good that I'll run into him anywhere, but if I do, I'll give you a call. Oh, would you? I'd be very grateful. I'll be at the plant all day, and I'm really sorry about waking you, but it is morning. That's all right. I'll get back to sleep, okay? I dreamt a lot, and it was a big dream about getting back to sleep in the daytime. Edie's call at 7.30 a.m. was some sort of psychic cue for the kid across the hall to get a toothache and yowl his head off. This touched off a chain reaction. By noon, I threw in the towel and took my curled lip and jaundiced eyes out in search of food. Curiosity took me all the way to the foxhole, dark and musty and open for business. Ah, Riley will be back. Yeah, he's never very far away from here. This place is home sweet home to him. How's the egg, huh? You're a better bartender. Hey, that's good. I wouldn't want this trap to get a reputation for fine food, you know. It classes up the clientele. <laughs> well, you can't have that. No. You seem pretty sure Riley will be back. Oh, sure. He had a hat full of dough last night. I relieved him of most of it. When he knows what he's doing, I'll give it back. Hey, you know him pretty well. What's he trying to prove? Boozing? 
I don't know. You sure don't like it sober. He'll talk okay, but not about himself, you know. How about Edie, his wife? You talk about her? Never heard him mention her. Oh, I know her all right. I know who she is anyway. Never seen her, but she calls pretty often. It's funny, too, what gets into dames, huh? Name anything. All she ever wants to know is, is he okay? She even gave me his doc's phone number. I call him when Riley pulls his fold act. Hey, you want another egg, huh? Not till Easter. Riley folds a lot? All the time. Every time the doc says, this is it, he can't take any more. But Riley keeps blasting away at the bottle. He don't care, but, oh, she does. She's one of those, there's good in everyone dames, you know? Real kind. For this, he don't come home ever. You're wrong, Tencher. He's home now. Well, well, well. The boy Oracle. Hiya, Johnson. We'll make a move, Tincher. Huh? Oh, sure. Why not? I got a message for you, Johnson. They're planting something for you at the plant today. Maybe you ought to show up, take a few bows. You ever read the kind of bilge the boy Oracle here writes, Tencher? Now take it easy, Riley. Oh, it's full of big talk about the little people. The little people with their big hearts, and the big people with little hearts. The whole cockeyed world is full of do-gooders, cheek-turners. Let's all get together and smile through our tears. Love will find a way. Hmm. What do I owe you, Tincher? Huh? Uh, Eighty-five. Here. Thanks. Well, it's been fun. Can I use the phone? Help yourself. It's over there. Oh, Riley slipped and fallen from the glory road. Hey, let's all help him back on his feet. All the beauties and the boy oracles. Johnson's Plastics Company. Oh, Edie? It's Randy Stone. Oh, Mr. Stone. I haven't found Riley yet. I am just beside myself. Well, he's at his natural habitat, the foxhole. Oh, thank God. Is he all right? Well, I wouldn't plan on him showing up at the plant. <sighs> I see. Well, I guess I didn't really expect him. Thanks, Mr. Stone. I Thanks for calling anyway. Sure. Bye, Edie. Goodbye. That was the second time I'd left Riley at the foxhole. It got easier every time. Outside, the sun shone and life went on. I knew the real story was all the things I didn't know about Riley and Edie. Maybe I'd never know them. Right then, they didn't seem important. I say right then because a couple of hours later, when I checked in at the paper, all the things I didn't know became very important. Riley Johnson's employee-owned plastics plant blew up right in their faces. 
It was still smoldering and still burning, but under control when I got there. I found the fire captain over by a pile of rubble. Happened right around one o'clock. About half the employees were out to lunch. The rest of them? Took them to, uh, Mercy Hospital. We're pretty sure we got them all out. Was anyone killed? Oh, no. Not outright. One woman is supposed to be in the worst shape, though. Wife of the owner, according to a couple of workers. Edie Johnson? Johnson, yeah. I think that's the name. Uh, I don't suppose you know yet if it was an accident or not. Nah, the arson boys are checking. We should know before too long. Well, if someone blew it, they did a real thorough job. Yeah, kind of complete. Missed the fireworks, Stone. Uh, Guthrie! Hey, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Lucky, too. The doc says these are just superficial. <laughs> God. You know, I'm, I'm walking along, and then all of a sudden, I'm not walking. Feels like a truck hit me in the back. And then I wake up. The darn thing blew me clean out of the plant. You ever hear of such a lucky thing? Well, that much is good, Guthrie. I understand that Edie's pretty bad off. Bad off? Yeah, I guess you could call it bad off. I told you Riley had an angle. Edie's blind. Sixty-three Audio is bringing you Nightbeat, starring Pete Lutz as Randy Stone. Nightbeat is brought to you in part by A Place for Mom to Jump. We know you worry about your parents as they grow older. You're concerned about their welfare, their general health, and, naturally, whether or not they're getting enough exercise. That's why we're happy to announce a new fun place where your parents can have a great time getting low-impact workouts in a safe environment while you go out and run errands or just sit in a bar and down a few shots. And after all, don't you deserve them? So why not bring your elderly mom, dad, uncle, or grandparent to A Place for Mom to Jump. A Place for Mom to Jump? (laughs) Say, that sounds like it'd be bouncy castles for senior citizens. And you'd be so right, young lady. A Place for Mom to Jump is a great big room filled with adult-sized bouncy castles where your favorite senior citizen can be just like a kid again. Come on down and take a tour. View our no-indemnity insurance policies and waiver forms and enjoy a complimentary cocktail in our children's lounge. Adults only, please. Come on, Dad. I'm supposed to meet the girls at Clancy's. You're going to make me late. Get in there and, you know, have fun. No, no. I don't want to go bounce in that place. I nearly broke my leg last time. No, you can't make me. No. (laughs) Just like a kid, right? A place for mom to jump is open seven days a week and until midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. Bring your elderly loved one and leave them with us. See our ad in the Incontinent magazine. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. 
Guthrie swallowed hard and looked away. After a while, he began pushing at the bandage on his arm a little too hard, because it hurt him. Isn't that a rotten break? Edie, of all the people in the world. Yeah, that's rough. That's real rough. She used her eyes. Really used them. To see good when nobody else could see it. You don't know her, Stone. She's the greatest. Everyone seems to think so. If she'd only set up a beef about it, build a case for herself, I'd almost feel better about it. But she won't. She'll take it, just like she's taken every raw deal she's ever had. And all her raw deals begin and end with the same louse. I talked to the fire captain. They'll know in a while if it was an accident. I don't think it was. This whole deal smells like Riley. He'd hand you something that was loaded. Well, he might. But even if they find out the blast was planned, that doesn't mean it was Riley. What's the matter? You building a case for Riley? No. Why should I? I don't know him well enough to build him a drink, even. Nobody knows him. Except Edie. And she loves him. Yeah, she does. How could she? Edie's the only one who can answer that. Oh, I've asked her lots of times. She knows I love her. Did you expect Riley at the plant this morning? Yeah. He was supposed to be there. <laughs> we planned a little thing in his honor. A little thing like, uh, an explosion? Look, there are simpler ways to get rid of him, Stone. I wouldn't blow up a plant full of people to get to him. No, I don't think you would. Any more than I think Riley would blow it up to get to Edie. Unless he was after more than Edie. Huh, Stone? It wasn't far from the Mercy Hospital to the foxhole. I figured somebody ought to tell Riley just in case he didn't know about Edie, and just in case he'd care. Tincher was half-seated on a bar stool, and at first I thought he was all alone, until he nodded across the room. Riley was lying flat, fit to the curve of the booth, and a man was bending over him. He, he pulled a real fold this time. His doc? Yeah, yeah, he's been working over him quite a while. I don't know how you keep a guy from taking on such a load. If I didn't let him have it, he, he'd get it somewhere else. A guy don't know what to do. When did it happen? Uh, not long after you left. He just ups and keels over. Had a devil of a time locating the dock, too. I think you'd better locate an ambulance, Tincher. Might as well get into a hospital. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, Doc, this is uh, Randy Stone. He knows Riley. I don't think you'll know him much longer, Stone. This is the last one, huh? Yeah, looks like it. You think he'll come around at all? He might. He's fooled me before. Yeah, I know. Might have a good reason to fool you this time. Look, uh, I don't know what it'll mean to him, or if you can tell him even, but there was an explosion at his plant, and his wife is the worst off. She's blind. Where is she? Mercy Hospital. That's where I'm taking him. I'm on staff there. Yeah, sure, I'll tell him. If I get the chance. Hey, hey, I, uh... I get nothing but busy signals, Doc. Maybe there's a run on ambulances right now, huh? Well, that's that. We can't wait for one. Can I give you a hand, Doc? Yeah, and a backseat if your car's got one. I'm in a coupe. The Doc took over when we got to Mercy Hospital. I took one more look at Riley as they wheeled him into the room. 
His face wasn't puffed and pink anymore. It was gray and very old. Edie and Riley were just a few doors apart now. It was hard to imagine they'd ever been closer. I wondered about them as man and wife, what kind of life they'd shared. Riley, a guy so bent on his own destruction he wanted to destroy everything around him, Guthrie, a third part to a triangle, or, or was there more to it than that? And Tincher, could he have an angle? How did these people relate to each other, really? Who was the heavy? I didn't know. I called the fire captain I'd talked to earlier. No report from the arson investigators. He said he'd call me at the hospital when he got the word. I waited outside Riley's room for the dock. Ah, oh, Stone. I hoped you were still here. Riley's come round. He wants to talk to you. Did you tell him about Edie? Yes, I did. Go on. Go in there for a minute or two. Will he make it, Doc? No, not a chance. And he knows it. I'll be back. I have to check something. Okay, Doc. Hello, Riley. Boy, Oracle. Oh, I'm in a fine fix if you're the best I can come up with. (laughs) The doc said you wanted to see me. I never wanted to see you. Right now, I don't have much choice. Maybe I should have made a friend along the way. Believe me, if I'd had a friend, I wouldn't be asking for you. Okay, okay, so we're real pals. Now what do you want, a friendship ring? Find that lousy tincher. Tell him he didn't put a thing over on me. He never could, and he never did. I got it. I suppose he'll understand. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. Understand? He should. He's not satisfied that I practically kept him in business with my regrettable taste for whiskey. He's got to steal me blind. I'll tell him. I thought I wouldn't remember. I remember plenty. Plenty. I had a fistful of dough last night. He thinks I don't know he took it. Just tell him I know, that's all. He's told me about your dough, Riley. What does that prove? He's one of your little people, I suppose, with a big, fat heart. (sighs) Brother, you don't know anything about people. Not anything. You said you had a couple messages, Riley. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Well, the other one's for you. Get out. Yeah, sure. Oh, hi, Doc. How is he? Oh, he's normal, I guess. He doesn't change much in my book. Hmm. Stick around, will you? I want to see him, and then I'd like to talk to you. Yeah, I'll be around. I'll go down to the drugstore and get some coffee. The first cup of coffee did nothing for the tight knot I was using for a stomach. I wanted a phone call from the fire captain to point the blame for the explosion. I couldn't figure Riley. 
Did he fold because he couldn't handle any more alcohol or because he couldn't blow up a place without having a reaction to it? I stayed with the coffee, but it didn't produce any answers. I, I tried to see him, but they wouldn't let me in. Sit down, Tincher. The doc will be down in a little while. Yeah. I just locked up and came over. Have some coffee. No, no, no thanks. I didn't know what else to do. I got these flowers, but I forgot to give them to the nurse. <laughs> Silly, I guess. Uh, flowers? Uh, Why beat yourself? The flowers are fine. You know something? Hospitals sort of make me crawl. I get nervous just walking in the door. I don't know. Everything's so clean and smells clean. Only I got nothing against being clean, but it gets me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems a little impersonal, but I guess it isn't. Yeah, well... Oh, oh, God, I almost forgot. Uh, Riley's dough. I want, to, I want to get it back to him, see? Remember I told you I took it off him last night? Yeah. Yes, I remember. Well, you give it to him, will you? You're going to see the doc, huh? Give him this dough and uh, the flowers, too, huh? Sure, if that's the way you want it. Yeah, yeah. Tell Riley I'll be back when he's feeling better. I'll tell him. I'll see ya. Okay. It was beginning to get me, too. I paid for the coffee, scooped up the fat wad of money and the thin bunch of flowers, and went back up to Riley's floor. The nurse at the desk took the flowers and told me that Edie was about the same, whatever that meant. That's when the doc came out of Riley's room and motioned me down to the waiting room. Got a cigarette, Stone? Why, sure. Here. Thanks. Well, he's dead. Well, Tincher will feel bad, I guess. I think Riley thought as much of Tincher as he did anyone. Oh, yes. He thought Tincher was great. That's that's why he wanted to see me. To tell me the barkeep had stolen his money from him. <laughs> Here's the roll. Tincher brought it. He just took it to keep Riley from throwing it around. Yeah, I know. Tincher's all right. I'll give the money to Edie. Yeah. What kind of guy was that, Doc? I've seen a lot of guys go out. A lot of bums, too. I never saw one who didn't go a little soft at the end. This guy goes, still spouting his hate and yakking about a friend who conned him, he says. There isn't much doubt about Riley's character. He was a long way from the Good Samaritan. You knew him a day. I... I've known him for ten years. Hmm. I'd like to know, uh, what made Riley run? The answer isn't very simple, but I'll simplify it. Five years ago, Riley Johnson was a regulation sort of a guy. No stronger, no weaker than most. You can't measure what the brain men call moral fibre, but it's safe to assume Riley had his share until he got kicked over. And uh, who did the kicking? Edie. Edie? Yeah, she's all sweetness and light unless you happen to know her, which I do. I could tell you a lot of things about Edie, none of them very savoury. But mostly she doesn't like a man, she likes men. Parades of them. Like, uh, maybe Guthrie? He's one of them for now. It goes on. Riley couldn't take it, so he left. Made friends with a bottle. Hmm. 
That's it. Oh, that's that's great. Telephone call for Mr. Randy Stone. Come to the second floor desk, please. Wait here, will you, Doc? Oh, sure. Thanks. Hello, this is Randy Stone. Oh, they're uh, Stone. You wanted to see the report from the arson boys. Just came in. What's the verdict? Uh, clogged gas lines to one of the burners. It's been backing up gas for who knows how long. Long enough to blow up anyway. You're calling it an accident then? That's right. That's all it was. Just an accident. Uh-huh. Well, thanks, Cap. Thanks for calling. You bet. Bye. Bye. That was the fire, Captain Doc. The explosion at the plant was an accident. I'm glad it wasn't Riley. Yeah, I guess I am too. Lovely little vignette, isn't it? The Johnson story. Riley's dead, Edie's blind. No, not for long she isn't. They do some big things now, you know. They can transfer the cornea from healthy eyes to bad ones. Oh yes, yeah I know, but... Edie will see again, with Riley's eyes. He did that? Last thing he did. Told me to tell her to... Take a good look at herself. It wasn't quite five o'clock in the afternoon, but the lights on Michigan Avenue were on. The traffic was taking on that rush hour look, and most of Chicago was getting ready to call it a day. Another day was giving way to another darker night. This is where I came in just 24 hours before. I still had the slip of paper Farley had given me, and it read, Riley Johnson, Linton Avenue, South Side, giving plant to employees. Might be a story. Yes, Farley, it was a story. Copy, boy. You have been listening to Nightbeat, originally broadcast over NBC Radio on May 15, 1952. This remake was produced and directed by Pete Lutz. Tonight's transcribed story, The Death of Riley, was written by Kathleen Height. Music by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Sound effects from the public domain, freesound.org, and from 63 Audio. Our cast featured the following players. Pete Lutz as Randy Stone. Angela Young as Edie. Lothar Tuppen as Jim Guthrie. Jeff Billard as Riley Johnson. John Bell as Tincher. James Scully as the Fire Captain. Gareth Severn as the Doctor. And Rachel Polium as the Voice. This is Darren Rockold speaking. Thanks for listening to this presentation, made especially for the 2020 Sonic Summerstock Playhouse Series. Be sure to listen to the other productions coming your way on the Mutual Audio Network. Nightbeat came to you from Corpus Christi, Texas. This was a 63 Audio production. Sixty-three audio. This is mutual.
And that's this week's performance from the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their respective copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network and any shows that continue their run must receive express permission from all parties involved. Join us next week for another classic performance. For our announcer, Jack Ward, I'm your host, David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. There are a number of everyday precautions that we can all take that may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. The first is to make sure to clean your hands often. Now, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds is the best, but if you don't have that, try to use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And to the extent possible, avoid touching high-touch surfaces in public places. These are things like elevator buttons, door handles, handrails, or of course handshaking with people. Wash your hands after touching surfaces in public places. Avoid touching your face, your nose, and your eyes. And clean and disinfect your home to remove germs, practicing routine cleaning of frequently touched surfaces like tables, doorknobs, light switch handles will make a difference. Avoid crowds, especially in poorly ventilated spaces. All these small things that we can do may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone. Happy holidays from all of us here at the Mutual Audio Network.